and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Marie Albajez at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Today, I'm joined by Joanna McKenna, the new CEO of Jane and a Women in Retail Leadership Circle member. Joanna is a seasoned tech leader with more than 20 years of global leadership experience. And in this episode, we're discussing her vision for Jane, the boutique marketplace for women's fashion, accessories, home decor, children's clothing, and more. And we're also talking about how her leadership style has changed as she's made her way to senior level positions at Amazon, Walmart, and Walker Edison. So Joanna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So let's get right into it. Um, First, I want to know what drew you to Jane and congratulations, by the way. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be at Jane. Uh, I would say what drew me here was really one, the people. Um, It's an extraordinary team of really talented people at every level within every department and the opportunity to work uh, within Marketplace, which is really kind of always been the sweet spot. Um, I'm always looking for how do we solve problems, both for consumers and sellers. And I think that Jane is really well positioned to kind of disrupt the Marketplace. Yeah, that's great. And tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you took on this role at Jane. So right before I took on this role at Jane, I was the president of a small dropship uh, furniture company called Walker Edison, uh, which services all the major e-commerce players um, leading uh, their end-to-end strategy and growth. And prior to that, I was vice president of marketplace for Walmart e-commerce. And then before that, I was at Johnson & Johnson leading advanced analytics. And before that, I was at Amazon leading the strategic development of the North American marketplace. Wow. So always had kind of a background in retail, as far as I can tell. What excites you about retail? What drew you to this industry in the first place? I think what excites me the most is it's constantly changing, not only the trends, but more for me is really how people shop, how, where they want to shop, how they want to be met by the retailer. And it's really evolved, you know, in the time I've been uh, working, uh, there wasn't any shopping online. <laughs> and so now I've watched the entire evolution of really shopping in stores, watching big box come to fruition, uh, and then watching the entire launch of the World Wide Web and how people move to shopping online and, and how quickly that's accelerated. So for me, that's kind of always been the drivers. Where are we going to shop next and how are we going to want to be met by the retailer? Yeah, that makes sense. So I know that you were born and raised in Paris. Is that right? That's correct. So how did that shape you as, you know, the career woman that you are today? That must have been a wonderful experience to be in Paris and then find yourself in retail. I think I had a very different upbringing than probably anybody that's even in my age brackets. Uh, my parents were much older than everyone else's parents. So both of my parents survived the Holocaust as children. And so um, I had a very sort of old world view of life and upbringing uh, that most of my friends' parents did not have. They were a good 15 to 20 years younger than my parents. Um, but I also grew up with a father who was at the time um, heavily involved in the fashion industry in Paris. So I was firsthand witnessing the evolution of what was happening um, within fashion, um, both in France and in surrounding countries and traveling a lot with him and my mom um, to different fashion houses and watching manufacturing. So 
I think it's always been kind of at the center of what really drives me. I've always loved trends and, and fashion and what people are wearing and even how things are made. So now more than ever, sustainability is really important. And so how is design and, and sustainability and fashion and shopping all kind of converging into one place? Um, but my upbringing in France really was eye-opening. I, I spent a lot of time traveling from country to country and experiencing different cultures and people. And so I think that also shaped um, me as a person and how I am as a leader and what I value the most in, in, in people. Yeah, that's that's incredible. So when when did you come to the States and what, what really brought you over here? So I came over to the States in secondary school and I came mostly because my father had a lot of business in the United States and then my brother ended up going to undergrad um, and I was just a couple of years younger than him. So I was hot to trot to stay close to my brother and, and, and um, was excited to come to the United States. You know, I think it's kind of the same. If you live in the US, you're very excited to go to Europe or go to Asia or South America. And I think it's just the reverse. I was very excited to come to the States and kind of see what, um, what was happening here, both from an education standpoint, but also making friends and, and having experiences. Yeah, that's incredible. It's like a whole whole new world. I know I, I'm the same way. I moved to the States from France when I was two, so didn't really have a choice in the matter, but I totally get what you're saying about kind of experiencing something that you otherwise would never have gotten to. So what a great opportunity. Exactly. So I want to ask you in your new position and the announcement of your new position, I should say at Jane, you said that you, and I love this, you define yourself by your curiosity and your thirst for learning. So I wondered what are some of the ways other than obviously taking on this huge role, what are some of the ways that you are continuing to push yourself to learn new things? I think that's something that our listeners and our women in retail are constantly looking for. So I think specifically to Jane, it's really learning about the company itself, what's really driving the culture. I actually um, notoriously do this wherever I go. Um, I have one-on-ones with every single person who works at the company. So my calendar looks a little insane right now, but it gives me an opportunity to get to know people and get to meet them, understand what's important to them, and also understand their lens, how they view both the work that they're doing, their teams, the company as a whole, um, and what they feel are, are sort of opportunities and or, and or pain points and what we should be prioritizing. And that helps to really understand what do we need to prioritize as a company from a strategy perspective. And when it comes to, to learning, I mean, we never stop learning. I'm constantly learning from our product teams and tech teams. I would, I will always say, I don't know what I don't know. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to be the subject matter expert in everything, nor should I be. So I think it's always being open to understanding what other teams are bringing to the table, putting yourselves in their shoes, understanding what their pain points are, and being open to knowing that you're not going to have the answers to everything. And it's the collaboration between not only your leadership team, but also the people who work under them that are going to have the ideas that are going to help drive the execution of the overall strategy and the success of the business. Yeah, I love that. So are you finding any common themes so far in your one-on-ones? Yes. I don't know that I would share them with you. <laughs> I would say a lot of the common themes are one thing that has stood out is how much people who work at Jane love Jane, love the company, love the culture, love their teams and the people they work with. You don't always find that, especially at a company that's been around for over 10 years. Sometimes you find sort of uh, fissures, right, within, within the organization and, and fractures. 
Um, so there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of support of teams. And I think like any company that's going through a digital transformation, now everybody's really just intrigued of like where we're going and how we're going to get there and making sure that they are driving value, but also are valued by the company. And I think that's what I'm very cautious of is making sure that people know that they have a place within Jane and that the work that they do is very impactful, no matter what level they're at. And I, I would think as a new CEO of the company, you don't have all the answers, right? Like you don't necessarily know exactly where the company is going. You might have a vision, but so it's, it's a tough kind of line to, to cross or, or to balance between, you know, giving them all the answers that they need, but also just absorbing and, and listening and, and just doing with that what you will. Yeah, exactly. And that's why the one-on-ones with everybody is really important um, is to hear a lot of what each individual also has a vision of what they want Jane to be or what they think Jane can become. And, and that's also valuable as I'm assessing where are the opportunities and how do we execute this larger vision and really prioritize some of the foundational pieces that are going to be important um, while taking into account, you know, the pieces that are in existence of how we operate the business and, and what's going to be important to driving success today. So you said you do these one-on-ones, you know, every time you go somewhere new, and I'm wondering how your leadership style has changed over time, if if at all. I mean, especially, you know, leading during a pandemic, especially moving jobs during a pa- pandemic. I'm assuming that you guys are still remote at least some of the time. So how do, what does that look like over the years? I would say that I've always been a leader that's led with empathy. I don't know that at a macro level, that's always been the case. I think now in a post-COVID world, I hear that a lot. Like a lot of leaders are saying, hey, we need to lead with empathy. We need to put our employees first. Um, I've always thought that was true. And I think that's just been ingrained in me from watching the leadership style that my father had. I would say what's changed in me over the last I probably decade, I would caveat and say, it's not that it wasn't important. It was that I would I would say that I I didn't prioritize in my leadership, or at least in my speaking engagements, both at my companies and externally, the fact that I am Hispanic and Turkish and a Sephardic Jew and a woman and an immigrant. Like I would never touch on those points. I would just say, I'm Joanna McKenna. This is what I do. This is where I work. Because I felt that my gender should be irrelevant. Like I'm good at my job and that's all that should matter. And that my ethnicity and that the fact that I'm an immigrant shouldn't matter either. But I realized, especially having daughters and a son was it is important that there's a a younger generation out there where they are still unfortunately feeling the inequalities of either being a woman or of their, you know, race or their sexuality of all those things are still kind of bridges that they have to walk over or mountains they have to overcome. And so now it's become a real pivotal point of my leadership style. And I see it resonate a lot with the younger generations of seeing themselves in someone else that's in a leadership position and knowing that, yes, they too can have this success and get to where I am today. um, And that it's actually an empowerment to be a woman. It's empowerment to be somebody of, of Spanish descent or to be, you know, of an, to be an immigrant that you can still fulfill the dreams that you have. So I would say that's probably the most pivotal part of my leadership that's evolved. So what advice would you have for the, that younger generation who is identifying with 
one or more of those buckets and may have had the same mindset that you did of, you know, well, I'm not going to call out the fact that I am, you know, any of these labels, but, you know, you're saying that that's, you know, something that you wish you would have done more. So what advice do you have for them as they are making their way through, you know, whatever career they want, you know, if it's retail through the corporate, you know, retail landscape, is there anything that they could be saying or doing to help them in that capacity? I would say there's, there's a lot packed in there. Um, One is know who you are and don't compromise that. If you feel that you are being in any way exploited um, because of your gender, um, because of your race, because of anything, um, then you should say something and know that it's okay to walk away from a job, that there are other companies out there, there are other roles out there that will um, embrace you and that you will flourish in um, and that you don't have to, especially in this day and age, stay somewhere um, and sort of put up with that kind of environment. Um, it's still everywhere. I see the inequalities. I see the you know the sexism. Um, I see the anti-Semitism. I, I see racism. At, publicly traded companies at privately held companies, it's still pretty prevalent. Um, but I think this is the generation, um, I look at my children that they're just not gonna put up with it. They are really empowered to embrace who they are and love who they are and support one another. And I think there's going to be more and more shifts happening that are for the positive. So I, I would tell the younger generation, I think they already know it, right? That they can kind of demand the salaries that they know they should have. Um, they can ask for the promotions. They can ask to be respected regardless of what label they are and or how they bucketize themselves. And it's, you know, seeing more and more CEOs like you who that will hopefully inspire them to, to keep going and achieve that level as well. So I want to ask you, you know, along the same lines, as a woman, you know, I like to ask this question of our podcast guests because obviously of our focus of women in retail, but have there been instances where you faced a challenge specifically because you were a woman? Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, even in the very recent past, um, I have been you know, confronted with discrimination because I'm a woman um, and discrimination because of my religion. Um, I think, you know, for me personally, I mean, I, I wouldn't stand for it when I was a child and I didn't stand for it in my teenage and younger years and I don't stand for it now. So um, I think the one thing that I do very well is I say it very loud. I call it out so that everybody knows it and everybody's aware of it because it's not okay to do. And I think those are things that, you know, we need to overcome as a culture and that women, especially women who are in senior level positions need to support the younger generation and younger women in knowing that it's okay. That if it happens, that you need to report it to somebody, you need to speak out, you need to say, hey, this is something that is happening within my organization or within my team and shine a light on it. Because only when we do that, is it something that's going to actually change and cause effect? Yeah. Do you have any tips or advice for that younger generation of women who are maybe looking for a mentor to help kind of guide them through that aspect of their career and those kind of struggles? I mean, I'm sure you mentor women all the time. 
I would say one, reach out to me, I'm always available. <laughs> um, and actually reach out to a lot of women, um, whether on LinkedIn or if you get somebody's email, write a nice letter and introduce yourself. You would be surprised how many women in senior leadership roles are open and willing and want to mentor you. Um, you know, the best advice I ever got was that nobody knows that you want to be mentored unless you raise your hand and say, hi, I'm, you know, Joanna, and I'm looking for a mentor. And this is what I'm trying to achieve or what I'm interested in learning about. Um, I, I can't think of one single female leader that I know, and I have a pretty large network who isn't open to mentoring younger women. I just think um, you need to put yourself out there. No one's going to know that you're, that's what you're looking for. And there's a lot of women who have vast experience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of trial and error in, in our own careers that they want to share with you and they want to support and open doors and make introductions. So I would say, reach out. The only way someone's going to know that you want to be mentored is if you actually reach out to them. Right. And the worst thing they're going to say is no. And, and then they'll probably just recommend someone else. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just going to open up your network. Like you said. Absolutely. Great. Well, Joanna, I think we are out of time, but I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. I really enjoyed our conversation and I can't wait to see what you do next at Jane. Thanks, Marie, for having me. It was really a pleasure to be on your podcast. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.